I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How fitness builds through the years with consistency and hard work. Right now, we are coming off of fall marathon PRs, and we were just in a season where on Instagram, social media, Strava, we see people who are setting massive PRs left and right. And when we're constantly looking at what other people are doing and exposed to this person ran a 60 minute PR, that person ran a 30 minute PR, all of these great accomplishments of other people, sometimes it can cause us to feel like bummed about our own performance, let's say if we start doing that comparison game. So me, for example, one year, it, I set a PR in a marathon and it was about a 45 second PR and it took me about four years to achieve that. And so I was really happy about that as an individual and like all the work that I had put into that and there's like a whole story behind it. But when you hear it's only a 45 second PR, it can kind of feel like, oh, that's it. When you see someone on Strava who set like a 45 minute PR or you see someone on Instagram sharing about how they've only been running for a year and they just qualified for Boston. And there's just this whole like comparison aspect that I think happens a lot during this time. So we really wanted to address it just because I know it's kind of like in your face a lot through the months of October through like December when CIM or even like through Houston um, on social media, they just pop up and you see them over and over again, which is super awesome. And I'm really excited and happy for everyone. And that's why we do a lot of our athlete spotlights because it is really exciting when you see someone else experience this success. But at the same time, for some people, it can be kind of a negative thing if we're not in the right headspace. And that's always just a chance to really reflect on uh, maybe why we're feeling a certain way or just an indication that maybe we need to take some time off and away from the app. Um, Because I know that comparison game can kind of feel really challenging at a time, but it just gives us a chance to kind of reflect on things. But in this podcast, we're going to be talking about how consistency builds over time. And I know running is a very unique sport and that people are coming at it from all aspects of life, right? You might have some people who started running when they were eight years old or five years old, right? Um, There are other people who get into running in their 50s, 60s, and everywhere in between. Um, Maybe new mom who wanted to get into running just to do something for herself and And there are some people who played competitive sports in college at the D1 level who make their way into the running community. All of that is to say that we all come from different backgrounds and we're all kind of 
doing these events together. And so it's not really fair to compare ourselves to someone else. Um, and I know it's a little bit different than doing other sports growing up because I feel like growing up when you're in sports, it's like everyone's almost at the same level. You kind of can do that comparison game, but then when it comes to you know, being an adult, everyone just has such different backgrounds that we really need to kind of take a step back. Even if someone's only been running um, for a year and you've been running for 10 years, it's still not really fair to play that comparison game. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about, um, you used to be a physical education teacher for about a decade. And so you really worked with kind of youth and seeing them develop their aerobic base as a child. And I think that does really make a difference when you take that plunge into doing aerobic based sports, maybe in adolescence or as an adult. Um, did you notice anything about, you know, the kids that you worked with and maybe how they ended up performing in sports and how that aerobic base really starts to set even when you're a kid? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. You know, you, you observe a lot when you have a classroom full of 20 to 30 kids and um, you start to pick up on patterns like uh, which kids take over maybe the game or which ones seem to be a little bit more athletic in certain games. And a lot of times, yeah, your you're kids that are involved with certain sports, especially the running, the sports that have a lot of running like soccer um, or basketball or even like hockey, for example, they typically be uh, tend to be pretty well-rounded and can um, – perform pretty well in any endurance activity. So it might be something different like ultimate Frisbee, for example. Um, um, so that's just kind of one, one example. And thinking back to my own childhood too, you know, I was just someone that I always was outside, I felt like, as a kid. Always playing games, had a lot of neighborhood friends. Um, played some sports growing up, mainly it was, it was hockey and soccer and then baseball, right? And then I got to middle school. It's kind of when I first started with track. But a lot of times you do those fitness testing and you see that the kids that perform better on them are typically some of those athletes athletic kids maybe they're soccer players right or they're mm -hmm. um in, in baseball or something and and so i think over time you know especially when we look at adult runners who get into running a lot of the ones that i think see success early would be the ones that maybe were a little bit more active either as a kid or throughout high school or or um, college and so um a lot of times we see swimmers pick up running and they right. they do really well right or soccer players is a great mm -hmm. example we had a lot of kids kind of join soccer or join cross country or track in high school and college that maybe had a lot of soccer experience earlier. And so I think that just translated really well. And so, yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure. But I think that establishing that aerobic base starts from a very young age and it can be a lot easier, I think, to um, pick up endurance later in life if you were active as a child. Definitely. And I think it's something that just like builds and builds and builds. And I know a lot of the times masters athletes that we're friends with, they'll always say, you know, I can get away with running a lot less mileage, you know, maybe they're only running 20, 30 miles a week, but they're still like placing as masters or they're running extremely fast as a master's athlete. And they'll always be like, well, it's because of the lifetime miles on my legs. It's because of all the work that I put in for decades prior. And so that's just a testament that the work that you did, maybe even in middle school, high school, let's say you were a runner, that actually is working in your favor, even if you took a decade off, right? So that base, um, obviously it's, you still need to develop it, but your body kind of remembers. There's that muscle memory. And as an athlete, I think you also, from a mental standpoint, it's like, 
once you have those skills in place of like pushing yourself, the consistency, all of those things at, at a certain time in your life, you can always go back to that. And I think having that athlete's mindset and having that practice doing it at a different time in your life actually does help you become an athlete um, as a runner later in life. Yeah, it's a really good point about sort of like the mental side of things and just, mm-hmm. you know, you think about everything you pick up on if you're involved with sports, just like that competitive nature, yep. um, perseverance, you know, you have to learn how to accept winning and losing and overcoming challenges. So a lot of that will apply to your running as you start out. Um, so I think people that are exposed to that through various um, outlets in their life, I think will a lot of times handle the demands that running brings a little bit easier. Definitely. And I think these are all skills that you like learn over time. So I was someone who didn't really have a lot of sports background as a kid or adolescent. Um, Didn't really have any sports that I played in high school, college, that sort of thing. So when I got into running as an adult, um, I had to like learn a lot of those um, tools, like the competitiveness and, you know, periodizing your training and doing things progressively and learning how to actually push yourself and get uncomfortable. These were all things that I didn't learn as a kid. And so it kind of maybe took me a little bit longer to get my feet under me, so to speak, when it came to running versus maybe someone else who was a competitive athlete in high school, maybe they'd be able to push themselves because they kind of know their body a little bit more. The same can be true for racing, right? So if you have like experience competing at any sort of athletic endeavor, I think those people have an upper edge because they have experience competing. They kind of know where their limits are at least a little bit, or they've channeled that in some way. Whereas if you've never really pushed your limits it's really, it can be tricky to kind of figure out, okay, like where is my edge? And there's like more of a learning curve involved with that. So that could take several years to develop. And so it's really important when we're talking about um, your PRs or fitness results, all of those things, there's so many factors that go into it. And mm-hmm. so it's it's like comparing apples and oranges to compare yourself to someone else, even if you feel like, well, our training was really similar or we have a really similar background. The weird thing about running is sometimes like, someone with the same background, the same sort of training as you can just like take off in a totally different direction and they can just have this kind of explosion with their running and it can be a little bit weird like, whoa, what are, what are they doing different? And sometimes it's not really that they're doing anything significantly different, but they have more of that competitive background. Maybe they have a stronger aerobic base that we aren't aware of because they were playing sports growing up. Um, There's just so many factors involved there. And then obviously raw talent comes into play as well. Yeah, I know a lot of times we compare ourselves to other people that we see, you know, on social media with similar abilities. And, um, you know, I was always one that would compare myself to previous versions of myself. Mm. And I kind of use that as a motivating factor. Um, so when you think about getting to a certain level of fitness, I feel like there's a lot that um, contributes to that, right? So obviously we talk about consistency over time is going to lead to that, hopefully. And then um, the, all of the mental things you picked up in the past, right? So like the tactics you learned from racing or putting yourself in, in new types of uh, environments, that sort of thing, that is going to hopefully have a positive influence down the road as well. So I share this example because when I would train for cross country every summer for college, Um, you know, my training was pretty much the same every summer. I guess finally my senior year, I was able to maybe train a little bit more. It wasn't like it was a drastic increase, but I, I think I had, um, because of the layering of the mileage from year after year, I think it just sort of like helped build me up. 
And then also just the confidence that, that I got too from racing, right? So finally as a senior, I was like, you know what, I'm, this is my last chance. Like I'm gonna lay it all out here. Um, pretty much learn how to race the, the 8K was the distance that we did frequently. So about five miles for cross country. Um, so just kind of learning how to approach the race differently and you know the workouts itself were probably pretty much the same during the season every year um but i think just that that accumulation effect really helped me propel my running to the next level right the progressive overload principle is so key here because you maybe take some time off and you're able to get back into mileage more if you've been running for four or five years versus someone who is maybe brand new to running they're not going to be able to have the same trajectory when it comes to increasing the mileage back so again that's why it's really important not to compare to others even though i know it can be tempting and then i really liked how you said sometimes you compare yourself to past versions of yourself and honestly i think this is the number one thing that holds people back with running because eventually as a runner you are going to have to take time off it's going to happen whether that's in the form of injury burnout um super stress with like career changes a move like just life happens and so within a decade of running you're probably going to have to either take time off or have like some sort of a comeback um for women who are like my age right a really popular thing is coming back after having kids and that can be something that really derails a lot of people because even if you run throughout your entire pregnancy when you're coming back it can be extremely discouraging because you even start running you're like wow I actually was running faster when I was like nine months pregnant than I am now and there's just a lot of factors that go on there but the biggest thing that I like to tell people when they come into the inbox on social media or our inbox for coaching and they're just like you know I used to be at this pace it was so great I was in such good shape And then, you know, I had a surgery or, you know, I had kids or I gained like 20 pounds and I stopped running for a year. Um, I just feel like I'm never going to get back there. And what do I do? And I'm just like, okay, first of all, like we cannot keep, you cannot keep looking back and you can't keep doing that. So even comparing within yourself, I feel like that is not fair because you know, you're not the same person that you were back then. You've had some changes. So you need to give yourself the grace to start where you are at currently and compare yourself to like where your your new starting point is. So if you don't allow yourself the grace to do that, you're never actually going to progress and get back to the fitness level that you want to get back to because you're always going to be pushing it too hard. You're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be having this cognitive dissonance of like where you are and like where you should be and stuff like that. So I think being able to celebrate like the small milestones on the way to getting back, which I know can be really frustrating because sometimes if you're someone who's at like a very, very high level and you're trying to get back, it's like, whoa, like you just know the mountain that you have to climb to, you know, quote unquote, get back is going to be pretty tough. Whereas maybe if you weren't at as high of a level, it might not take you as long to get back. You know, maybe it'll take you six months versus six years, right? Um, or, you know, that's kind of an exaggeration, but eventually you will kind of have that breakthrough. And um, I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast how it took me like four years to take 45 seconds off my marathon PR. And what happened really in between there was like having kids, kind of getting back into the swing of things and learning some of those concepts the hard way. And I was really ecstatic to finally get a marathon PR because 
I did feel like I had to really work hard and kind of accept where I was at in my postpartum after having kids, my comeback, and just kind of swallow my pride and let the ego go and just train where I was at and kind of fall back in love with the process and less on the outcome um, in that factor. And I think that's something that a lot of athletes can struggle with. I know I definitely have. Yeah, that's a great example. I know a lot of times when we're coming back or we have this this new goal on the calendar, whatever it is, um, we we basically try to squeeze so much fitness. We want to gain our fitness back really fast. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the, the length of time that we have isn't really ideal. It's not long enough, right? So we want to rush the progress. And so we might be tempted to do workouts um, at a faster pace than we should. Or, you know, like I'd always go to the track and I'd try to hit paces that I used to hit in college when I was three, four years out of college. And it's like, you're just not in that shape like yeah i could probably do it a few times but um i'm not going to be recovering as quickly and so you have to think about the long-term effects and am i recovering am i getting back on track so i can continue training right there are so many times i had to like skip long runs because i wasn't Mm -hmm. recovered and so it just was i was really shooting myself in the foot i wasn't preparing like i should have been and the other thing was i was training for different races too so it's like why would i train that way um when in college i was running shorter races and now i'm trying to run longer races so you just have to think about kind of like you said where you're at now um and thinking about the recovery so i think the better we are at running off of effort and sort of like assessing okay well this is sort of the fitness i'm at now you know i know last summer i was able to hit this for mile repeats but this summer you know based on the lack of my consistency or whatever it was right if you're coming back from injury you're going to have to slow down a little bit and um and just make those adjustments. Right, yeah, and I think that's a really interesting concept of the trying to hit workouts, trying to like have this, oh, improve to myself, or just trying to get in shape in like that short period of time and not having the patience to say, okay, like maybe I'm just gonna spend a year gaining my fitness and not expecting that I'm gonna PR or not expecting anything from it, right? So I love the quote from like Peter Bromka who says like the marathon owes you nothing. So it's like even if you hit these like stellar awesome workouts, it's like on race day really anything can happen. And so you might be in the best shape of your life, but really anything can happen on race day and the marathon doesn't like owe you a certain time. And so I think it's really important to just fall in love with the process and not be so focused on that outcome. Cause I know the driving factor in a lot of those workouts, maybe at the track was you wanted to prove you were in a certain fitness. You wanted kind of all the stars add up and be like, yep, I can be in this shape. I'm going to go run this time in a race. But in reality, it's like, it was all kind of setting, setting you back a little bit because you were pushing a little bit harder than you should. You were kind of not, able to benefit from that workout because you were pushing the pace and then when it came to race day it's like you kind of left some of your race efforts in workouts which which can kind of set you back and this really reminds me of an interesting conversation that I had with coach Luke um, a little bit after he came on coaching with us over a year ago he was um, saying you know I'm getting a lot of people signing up who they have like this history of injury um, on and off and they are struggling to kind of string together consistency. And then their goal is to be running a marathon within eight to 10 to 12 weeks. And I'm like, wow, that that is really interesting. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually something that I have seen a lot as well. you know, you see it from time to time. And he says that he felt like it was almost like this panic, like a rush. And he knew exactly what these people were feeling. And I don't know if that's because of his um, coaching background in person, or if that's just like him as an athlete as well. But he said that he thinks a lot of these people, they're worried that they'll actually never be able to be healthy. And so that insecurity is driving them to try to 
frantically just string together whatever they can accomplish that bucket list marathon because they never know when they're going to have that opportunity again. And that's actually kind of sad. I never had thought about it like that. And I do think as runners, sometimes insecurity does drive um, our training. Like we panic and we think, oh, like I don't have time to, to commit one year to training, building my base, getting in shape and trying to stay injury free. I want to go for the big thing now because we worry that even if we put in, you know, that whole year, we could still end up injured. And I think the whole concept of it, it just makes people really uneasy, that whole trusting your training, trusting the process factor. But that's really what sets apart kind of the athletes who um, maybe fizzle out in the sport versus like the athlete who you're seeing on Instagram, maybe right now who it's like, Oh, they went from five hours to three hours because a lot of the times those people, it's like they have things that come up in their training, but they just stay committed over time. And then wham, bam, you see this huge breakthrough and you want to know the whole story. But honestly, the story is a little boring. Um, but that's the secret is it's built in like the boring miles, the boring years that aerobic base develops. And then boom, you see someone that's appears to be like out of this world fast. Wow. That was definitely interesting to think about why people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, set that that really like short time frame for that race. And a lot of times it could be because of what you said. And I think it's a little bit of FOMO as well. Like they just want to do the yep. race because maybe they know other people are going to be there or people from their hometown are going to be there watching and stuff. And so, yeah, they always try to rush the fitness and they focus more on like the, the goal, right? And so they think they have to set this goal to like motivate them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's a time-based goal. I have a lot of athletes that are like, I want, you know, I want to break four hours at this marathon. Maybe their PR is like 4:20, and so that's a pretty big jump. And they're they're not really giving it a, a like a lengthy time, right? They're just giving it like 16, 20 weeks, and they want to go all in on their training. And then um, a lot of times they're bummed if they don't achieve it. And so I think like what you said is really the key: falling in love with the process because that is going to eventually get you to your goal and probably faster because it's going to keep you doing the little things and doing the right things on a consistent basis. And then over time you will get to that point, you know? Yeah, definitely. And sometimes when we see people on social media have like these big breakthroughs, it's like, you want to know the story, you want to know their secret. But again, it's like, it's kind of boring. And sometimes there's just like these fluke breakout performances where people are like, oh my gosh, let me just analyze what they did in this last training cycle. But it's like, no, it's bigger than that. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast about the 45 second PR that took me four years Well, I trained for another three years and I took maybe like a minute, a minute and a half, like 90 seconds off my marathon PR. So it just is like lackluster, right? So in seven years I took what, three minutes off my marathon time. So people would be like, well, you know, she's maybe like peaked, whatever. And then six months later I ran like third, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes faster in the marathon. And people were like, whoa, like, what did you do and stuff? And I was like, this, uh, you know, it just, it just all came together on one day. And so I think that's really important to remember is that sometimes we don't have the races that we hope. So in some of those marathons where I only PR by like 45, 90 seconds, maybe I was in a little bit better shape and I didn't have like my total A game on that day. And so you might see like this huge jump in fitness in one race performance just because someone has like a really good day out there. Um, And that's also important to remember because a lot of us are maybe coming off of fall marathons and maybe we hit like our B goal instead of our A goal, or we're just slightly off our A goal and it can be hard not to beat ourselves up and 
I feel like runners are like our own biggest critics Mm -hmm. and we're constantly like chasing, constantly, you know, beating ourselves up, but just being really confident in where you know your fitness is at and was at going into the race, I think is really important because that's the thing that can help you stay consistent because if you put in all this work and you're just only focused on the outcome and you need it, you need the race clock to say a certain thing, um, at the end of the day, if it doesn't say that, it's going to be really hard to stay motivated, stay committed to go out there and do another marathon training cycle. So instead what I like to do is before the race, like I just have to get to a place mentally where I'm like, yeah, I know exactly where my fitness is at, whether or not I run it on race day, that's like a different story. I don't really care. Um, so you just have to know within yourself before you go and execute that race, because if the time clock reads something else, you have to know that everything that you did was worth it already. And so getting back to that place and having those reflections within yourself can really help you stay motivated. Cause I know that's a really big thing with people is sometimes they can totally fall off the bandwagon Mm. because the results just aren't there and I know I've experienced that as well and sometimes you know as funny as it sounds it comes after like 5k races like I'll be like oh my gosh you know this 5k was terrible I've had some really bad 5ks that just really defeat me and people are probably like well that's not really that big of a deal but um you know I I can definitely relate to the fact that it can feel really defeating when you're like what's going on what what's wrong with my fitness um is it even worth it But I think getting back to a place mentally where you can just remember why you're doing it and falling in love with the process and making sure you can stay as consistent as possible. Because if you do have, you know, goals with your running, the number one thing you can do is to just stay consistent, head down and train. um, And eventually it's all going to come together. Yeah, I think, you know, the, you know, elite runners and advanced runners who have probably been running a long time, um, they've had a lot of rough experiences in races. And I think part of that has shaped them and helped them um, probably get more consistent over time. And mm-hmm. to go into future races, maybe with um, just in a better headspace, maybe with uh, more realistic expectations, you know, the focus is maybe a little bit more on the process and not the outcome. And, you know, I think back to like high school and college and it was like a race every week, right? So if you didn't do well, you mm-hmm. had an opportunity for redemption the next week. Whereas a lot of adult runners, they put in four months of work and they do a race and like you said if they don't meet their goal it's basically like the end of the world or they just kind of they quit training because they don't think it's worth it right but you have to look at every race experience as sort of a stepping stone um to getting to where you want to be and so that's why it's more important i think to focus on the process and sometimes you're going to have races where you like you said come up a little short maybe you hit your b goal but that's still a really essential um, component to getting to that a goal eventually right um and you might have races that are even worse than that, depending on like weather and Mm -hmm. other circumstances. So, um, I think over time we just, hopefully the goal is to keep evolving as a runner and get as much experience as you can and, um, keep your time very limited when you do take time off. Yeah. I think a lot of this has been more like surface level, you know, grand, grand scheme, big picture sort of conversation so far, but in terms of really applying this to your training, I think it's important to kind of like zoom in and like look at some of like these factors that maybe could be, um, causing something because sometimes there are reasons for like why you're not seeing progress. And so you might be training consistently and then be like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So how do you know, um, whether or not, you know, it's time to change something or if you just need to like trust quote unquote, trust the process and just like keep training and what sort of factors in the training really are going to yield these great results over time. It's a really good question. I think it's a variable answer depending on how long you've been doing, you know, similar training, um, how consistent you've been. 
heavy race recently. Um, what are your goals for the future? Because, you know, if you want to run, um, like something a bit shorter or maybe it's a marathon, you may have to like adjust what you're currently doing to kind of get, get to that level. So, um, I think a lot of that falls in line with like where you're at mentally too. Like if you're, if you're content, you're not feeling burnt out, you could probably continue, um, doing that course and then you can slowly introduce like a new a new type of stressor into that training um if you just started something new and you you haven't felt good yet i would give it a few more weeks and see because a lot of times it can take it can probably take like two months to even um get your body into that new rhythm that new routine and and, um maybe adapt to the training that you've been increasing yeah i mean there's so many factors within training but some of the key ones that i can think of is just looking at your easy runs right so 80 percent of your weekly mileage should be easy and that's going to be defined as two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5k pace if you are constantly hovering right around the two minutes per mile slower than 5k pace or maybe a little slower or maybe a little faster um, maybe it's time to slow down right and i think throughout your season as a runner you may be able to get away with different things right so when i was in my early 20s i could get away with running basically marathon pace for a lot of my easy runs and see some some results right um but obviously that's like way too much stress on the body and over time it kind of like led me to flatline and so instead of just like leaning in trusting the training and keep consistently doing that it was time to really look and reflect on my training and be like well actually um I think this is a factor that's holding you back. And so I do think there is a time to really honestly take a look at your training and see if you're doing some of these things. So 80% of your mileage should be at an easy pace. Sometimes even now, like I'm going slower than three minutes per mile, slower than 5k pace. Sometimes it's more like four minutes per mile, slower than 5k pace. And that's totally okay. The idea with your easy runs is you want to be going slow enough that um, you're able to fully recover in between and be able to hit workout paces on your workout days. So that comes the next question is, of course, easy miles are important, but you also have to pair that up with quality workouts. So easy miles are only going to get you so far. You are going to have to do some specific training within your you know week to week routine where you're hitting faster workout paces and we want to make sure that we're actually training at the correct paces. And so you kind of mentioned earlier that back in the day, you'd go to the track and try to like hit these paces you were hitting college because you wanted to be in a certain shape. You wanted to be in like 430 mile shape or whatever. So you were doing these like specific workouts to try to be in that shape. But in reality, what you maybe should have been doing was do a time trial, see where your mile was at, Mm -hmm. then train at those paces. Because if you're training at paces that are above your current fitness level, so let's say back in the day you were in like 450 mile shape and you were doing workouts for like a 430 mile shape, you're actually racing all these workouts. And so when you're racing workouts, that's essentially putting too much stress on your body and you're going to compromise your recovery. You're going to be compromising your potential fitness gains. It would be similar to if you were in the weight room trying to do like a one max rep, like every single time. Um, it's not the best way to grow muscle. Yeah. You can gain a little bit of fitness or whatever, but it's definitely not the best way. The best way to be doing that is working at a little bit of a lighter load, doing a lot of reps and sets and then over time it's signaling to your muscle oh okay like let's let's strengthen um and the same is true with running there are certain ways to train that are more optimal and are going to lead to better results so making sure you're training at the correct paces and you're not racing your workouts is very key um and those two factors in and of itself i feel like 90 percent of training errors are going to be occurring within those two things the next things that you're going to want to look at um, which i've made mistakes of in the past is 
overtraining versus undertraining. So that's going to be looking at your weekly mileage, basically. Some people are more of the people who want to overwork, overdo it. Um, so if you're someone who's really like running, if you pride yourself on like how much you run and you really always want to run like more miles and all that stuff, um, sometimes you can get desensitized to like what feeling good actually feels like. And so you're constantly in this soup of tired legs, but you just totally are used to it. You're blindsided by the whole thing. Um, but it might be time to scale back. Like if you're not really seeing results, if you just feel like what you're doing isn't working, I would recommend if you feel like you're a high mileage person, maybe scale it back, see what happens, right? So you never really know unless you try. And just because you could get away with maybe running super high mileage for whatever season you were in, maybe now it's time in your life that you need to do less. And sometimes that will yield to better results because again, you can only improve as much as you can recover from. And so in your training, you really wanna prioritize your recovery. And sometimes that means doing a little bit less. So if you've been running 50 miles a week and you feel like that's your high mileage, maybe we're gonna cut it down to like 40, see how you feel there. On the flip side of that, there's also the people who maybe are not doing enough. So if you are someone where, you're just, you're starting to get pretty, pretty fit. You're starting to get pretty fast. You maybe are wanting to move up to that next level. You're, you're wanting to be cute, that sort of thing. And your weekly mileage, um, you feel like you're comfortable at it. Well, maybe it's time that we up it a little bit. So just a hair. So if you're in like the 30 mile a week range, maybe your goal is to get to into like the upper thirties, right? And that can happen over time. We don't want to increase more than 10% per week. We still want to have cutback weeks, all those good things. But that is a variable that will lead your body to have stress adaptations. And so maybe you just don't have enough stress adaptation signaling to your body to change. And so there's two kind of sides of the same coin there. But making sure you're just running the right mileage, probably another error that is is pretty common, but not, not as common as the other two. Then the... F- the final one really comes into play more when you are just on that um, trajectory where law of diminishing returns, right? So when you're someone where it's like you have to work a year just to like shave a minute off your time, where you feel like you're really close to your peak potential, you're really gonna wanna be focusing a lot more on like the nutrition, the sleep, the recovery, all of those things to get that little bit of an extra edge, right? So maybe you purchase those alpha flies, <laughs> maybe you try doing BD lead, mm-hmm. you know, all of the little things that can actually give you a little bit of a percentage point towards that that next thing. Um, I'm not saying you have to do those things, but I'm saying those are things that you might look at as ways to enhance your training. Yeah, I think, you know, like um, fine tuning those things, especially like your fueling. Like I know when you had your breakthrough race, Mm-hmm. I think you were really confident with your fueling approach. Probably yeah. the most confident you were. Well, the carbo loading, I think, was the carbo loading too, thing. right? Like in the days a, yep. leading up to it, just like knowing that you know what your body is going to respond to, because you had done so many like long training runs that you just you knew it was going to work for you. And so I think right. that's part of it is obviously um, figuring out that right balance, right, of like the undertraining versus overtraining, making those adjustments. And I know that runners that come to us, we see we see the whole spectrum, right? I get mm-hmm. a lot of people that maybe are overtraining um, in terms of like the mileage, but um, they're also maybe pushing the pace too fast. So it's right. like, if we just dial back the pace then on those easy fine. days, you'd probably be right. fine. We could keep it at that same level. Um, and then we have the opposite, you know, the people that aren't doing those workouts or maybe they're doing um, the right mileage, but they're just doing, uh, maybe pushing the easy rounds a little bit too quick. And then they like to do a lot of speed work. And that's kind of like what, how I used to train coming out of college, right? 
but I lacked that in between that like threshold zone. I wasn't doing enough work in that zone. I think that's really, really important for becoming a better, um, you know, half marathoner and marathoner. So, um, challenging yourself in new ways, you know, identifying what variable within your training is something that we could tweak or take out or add or just do differently, you know? Absolutely. With the speed work, um, that's a huge component. So before when I was saying 80% of your mileage should be easy, 20% can be the hard workouts, but what you do in those hard workouts is incredibly important. And I think for anyone who's training for an event longer than, I mean, even a 5k or longer, the majority of those 20% hard miles, in my opinion, should be at threshold. Um, that's going to be the most bang for your buck type of workout for majority of runners who are probably even listening to this podcast. Right. So if you're like competitive, competitive to recreational athlete, even some elite athletes, right. Um, if you're a professional athlete, it's, it's like a completely different ball game, right. Even elite runners, it can be a little bit different, but for the most part, it's about building that endurance, lowering the threshold and threshold workouts are going to give you the most bang for your buck. Um, so you want to make sure that you're actually working within the threshold zone because I know a common mistake that I see is people will do something that they think is a threshold workout but where in reality it's more like a speed workout um and sometimes it's you what's interesting about speed workouts is people can like hit some people can hit like these crazy paces and speed workouts and you're like whoa that's insane but what we really want to do is like bridge that gap so if you're someone who's like killing it can do like all these speed workouts but then when we ask you to do like a two mile tempo you're running like two mile two minutes per mile slower than like what you can do these 400 meter repeats in well what that's telling me is like you have a ton of potential a lot of natural talent and we need to bridge the gap we need to work on Mm -hmm. lowering your threshold so that you can run at like that medium pace for a longer time Um, and in turn that's going to make you better at anything that's using the aerobic um, zone within training. So when you're doing these killer speed workouts, it's great for like developing power and making you stronger, but chances are you're probably already pretty strong if you're like crushing these speed workouts. Um, What I see happen a lot is people will do these killer speed workouts. They're working their anaerobic system. So this is not what's used in the marathon. I mean, maybe like 0.5% of the marathon or even the 5k, right? It's only like 10% anaerobic. So 90% of that race depends on your aerobic system. Um, and so sometimes I see people where that like, they're only doing speed workouts and then they go and they're having this expectation that they're in a certain shape where in reality you're not, if you're not doing the right mm-hmm. aerobic workouts. So the system you really want to be testing when you're testing your fitness is your aerobic system. And I've even had some people where they'll say, okay, I am using the VDOT calculator and I plugged in my 800 meter pace and it says I can run this for a marathon. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so the 800 meter race is like 50% aerobic, 50% anaerobic. And so anaerobic fitness doesn't like translate to the marathon. We really want to find a race distance that's really translatable to another race distance. So even doing like the two mile or 5K time trial that we do, within run for PRs or that is really common in the running community, sometimes that's too anaerobic focus because it's 10% of that race. So what I like to do is race a half or have a half marathon race, kind of figure out where you're like 10 mile half marathon fitness is at, then that's gonna scale to the marathon because half marathon race is usually 99% um, aerobic and so is the marathon. So they're a lot more similar in distance than say a 5K. But if you are someone whose 5K time is like blazing fast but and the VDOT score is just not translating, 
again, what that tells me is like, you have a lot of talent, you can eventually hit those times, but you have to make sure that you're doing the correct type of workouts, like threshold and tempo runs. Right, exactly. And you know, if you're like me, where you kind of have a speed background, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of suffer through a, a interval that's, you know, three to five minutes, but try doing those longer threshold um, segments that are you know 10 to 20 minutes in length um, because that's really where the growth is going to occur that's where you're going to have to mentally sit in that discomfort and like just learn how to push through it and stay like stay kind of in that zone where you're like okay i can run this all day you know and so it it, it is it's a challenge but starting with um just like an introductory workout in the, the threshold if, if that's like something you're not used to doing it can just be um, little two minute doses with like a 30 second break or whatever. And then you can just slowly build up from there. Right. And so if I could go back and, and change my training from coming out of college, that's what I would do differently. I would probably never go to the track. I would change everything over to maybe threshold paces and hit, you know, hit them on the road. And then, so, and then eventually build up over time, you know, to like two mile segments of threshold and then, you know, a 20 minute, 30 minute, that sort of thing. Um, cause I think that's really the key to getting to that next level with the half and the full is really. Um, like you said, increasing your threshold over time. Right. And one thing I really want to talk about when it comes to this threshold pace. So if you're going to VDOT right now, you can plug in a race time. Um, it's going to spit out a very specific threshold. It's going to be like six or like for me, it would be like six twenty-five per mile. And that's like so specific. I mean, right. it's, it's just like in a vacuum. Um, and we want to remember that training doesn't happen in a vacuum so let's say i put in you know my half pr which is like on a downhill course it says okay like your threshold is like 609 um we have to like take in all the factors right so that course is downhill if i'm not doing a workout that's downhill i'm not going to use that pace (laughs) you know we have to really think of all of the factors here um or you know if the weather if it's if it's hot if it's windy if there's hills if you're running on gravel versus road if you're on the track versus road um there's so many factors at play here and the really tricky thing about threshold is that as soon as you go over threshold boom you're not working the right system anymore and it, it have it's like a flip of a switch so what's more advantageous and what i recommend doing is having a range so let's say you go to VDOT, it spits out 625 for me i would say okay you're going no faster than 625 you're going to be going like 645 to 625 that's the range you want to be in you want to start at the slower end so that you're not ever going over that threshold Um, because i think sometimes when you go out there it can be tempting to be like okay i have to hit exactly the split like perfectionist or whatever and then boom before you know it you're not even doing a threshold workout anymore you're going too fast and i think that's something that's really tempting for people to do and again that's something that maybe we need to look at within our training like are you someone who is pushing the pace on your threshold runs because if so you're not using the right system it might be better to slow it down a little bit on your threshold days or your tempo days so that you can work the right zones and have those physical adaptations that can occur yeah and the other thing too about like staying motivated during training um you know if we've been doing kind of the same thing for a long time we can just find ourselves kind of in a negative headspace right where is if we mm-hmm. if we sort of embrace like a new challenge and we were able to accomplish it a lot of times that gives us a little bit more of like a positive mind mindset going into the next workout and just gives us a little bit of it kind of reignites us and so i think that's a good thing to think about too like if you're finding yourself um you know let's just say you feel like you'd never had the time to run and so um 
workouts stress you out well maybe just let's just focus on like trying to slowly build mileage or maybe just work on like progression runs something like that that can Mm -hmm. help to continue to build your aerobic base but yet we're not like stressing your we're not like having to go to the track or hit paces or anything like that um so i think just doing small incremental changes with your training um stepping outside your comfort zone a lot of times that's how we're going to continue to evolve as runners yeah, like what if you just don't feel motivated anymore? And so that can be the hardest thing is you're trying to do this consistency. You know how important it is. Like we don't need to sit here and like beat it, beat a dead horse, right? Like I think everyone knows that if you can be consistent with your training, you're going to see amazing results. But the problem I think with some people and everyone experiences this from time to time is that all of a sudden the motivation's gone or like your your reason for training gone. Like you just don't, you cannot do it anymore. And I think that happens a lot when you hit a, a goal time in your race and you just thought like that was a pinnacle for you and then you're like oh wait what now I have to keep I have to keep doing this or like how do I keep going from here and so setting new goals is sometimes good but then other times it's like maybe that was all you wanted to accomplish within that distance or maybe that's all you wanted to accomplish at that time but we can shift focus like you don't have to constantly be chasing a faster marathon time or a faster 5k time you can just train for like the sake of training and that can help with the consistency and sometimes people will message like our inbox uh like when they're interested in coaching and they'll say, oh, you know, like I am really interested in this coaching stuff, but you know, I don't have any races. Or even during the pandemic, people were like, yep, I'm out, I quit, peace, because all of my races are canceled. Um, Which I totally understand people obviously quit for various reasons during the pandemic. But I think the whole idea of like, I have to be training for a race, that prevalence in the running community um, can sometimes get people in trouble when it comes Mm -hmm. to motivation. Because let's just say like you don't have the desire to run a race and I think earlier this year at the time of recording this podcast like I just don't want to run a race I'm kind of over it done like I've done three marathons in the last year and it, it's just been a lot so like I'm just not motivated by the thought of a race which is which is tough because for the last year that's been my driving motivation and so I think what we need to do as athletes is really look um, at ourselves and say, you know what, just because I don't have the same motivating factor that I did last year or five years ago, doesn't mean that I can't find another way to stay motivated and another thing to drive home towards. And so it might shift over the years. And so you sometimes are like a chameleon, right? You're just changing, um, based on the season of life you're in. But I think that's, what's really important is to not like force yourself to do something. And I kind of had to come to terms with that earlier this year. I was like, well, you know, I could just keep driving myself into the ground and keep forcing myself to train for like these really big races and really big goals. But like if your heart's not in it, um, it's gonna be really, really hard to motivate yourself. So it would be better to just like take a little bit of a step back, do the workouts that excite you, have a conversation with your coach and just be like, hey, my my head's not in it. I cannot do like mile repeats right now. I can't Mm -hmm. be doing like 400 meters. Like I can do some other workouts that are a little bit less structured, maybe fartlek, steady states, progression runs, and kind of getting back to just enjoying the training, getting back to feeling good, all of those things. And let yourself sometimes have that season where you just enjoy the running again. And eventually you'll probably get back to a place naturally where you want to go after um, those goals again. And if not, like no big deal. But I think falling in love with the process is definitely key to the consistency for sure. 
Yeah, I think a common theme I see with some athletes is they, um, you know, they're working with me over uh, the course of a training cycle. And then when that goal race ends, they take time off. Right. And so I think their intention is they don't want structure during that time, which is which is totally understandable. Um, and then they think they'll just kind of run when they feel like it. Right. Well, then what happens? Three, four or five months go by and they end up hardly running at all. Right. And so it becomes so hard to get back into it for some people. And then they spend the whole next um, training cycle basically trying to gain back the fitness that they lost. Mm. And so uh, when they set a goal for the next one, it's like a lot of times it's unrealistic because they want it to be faster than the previous race. But it's like, well, you just let this time go by and you weren't training. And so uh, I think that's sort of a common theme for some people. I have some other athletes, too, who who I love continuing to work with during their offseason because they just... um, Maybe they just drop down to a less supportive plan, but they still want like that maintenance plan, you know, so that keeps them accountable and it keeps their long-term goals kind of in check. Um, so I think it's a good thing to maybe think about just still sticking to a plan or at least having some accountability so that you're, um, you know, you're getting the runs in. Um, but again, you don't always have to be doing workouts. I think you said it, you said it good there. A lot of times just by running easy for a while, that might sort of get you re-energized or realize, hey, I'm kind of ready for some some faster pace work here again so right or you might find yourself in the middle of the easy run being like actually i want to maybe pick up the pace it's kind of bored right yeah so eventually you might get back to that place where you add in some steady state some tempo miles in your uh, easy runs and then all of a sudden next thing you know you're doing more structured workouts um later <clears throat> that year yep. but i think yeah it is a good interesting topic and conversation because we are at a time of year where people are like yeah peace out i'm taking a break or they're just in a weird place mentally with their training because after a big marathon training cycle can take several months to even like feel somewhat like yourself again. Um, whereas you also have other people where it's like the next week they're like, I'm ready to train. So there's a full spectrum. And so it's important not to compare yourself, but if you're someone who's just kind of like in that funk, just remembering that consistency is going to pay off. And so yes, have an off season. Yes. Take time off. But, um, remembering that you want to continue to train consistently if you have those big goals and that's going to be the driving factor in some of those really big breakthroughs that happen over the course of years and so consistency is great and there are so many benefits to running and if you're someone who is just hoping that you can stay consistent over the winter I think having a coach can be a really big game changer and you can also like run the things that are going on in your head run it by your coach be like oh my gosh have you ever felt this way or is this common Um, and you'd be really surprised at some of the stories that you'd hear and a lot of the coaches here have gone through seasons where they're like in those mental funks they've had to take time off and so they really understand um, how to get motivated some ideas tools all of those things to help you kind of stay on track with your goals mentally and physically and that's why I love having a coach and that's why we love coaching athletes because we like to help people reach their goals stay consistent stay happy and healthy so if you're interested in a free seven-day trial you can fill out the form on our website www.runforprs.com Again, you can get set up with a coach right away. It's a free seven-day trial. You can have all of your questions answered, learn a little bit about our training, get set up in the app, and connect with an expert coach. That's www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for tuning in.